Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. From director Tony Dean Smith and producer Ryan Smith comes their latest film, Volition, a mind-bending sci-fi thriller where the line between fate and free will blurs. When you know your world is predetermined, it's hard to care about your choices. And this is true for James Oden. On a rain-soaked night in 1991, two cars collide, leaving all drivers dead on the scene, including his own mother. He's the only survivor. It's a tragedy, but it's even more tragic because James saw this accident coming two days prior to when it happened. He tried to prevent it, but who's going to believe a kid who claims to see the future? And that is the premise behind this wonderful new film called Volition. And we're joined today by the co-writers and the director and producer. That would be Tony Dean Smith, the director, and the producer, Ryan Smith. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us. Great to be here, Mike. What was the pitch like for you to sit down and describe this to the people who are going to put some money down to make this film? And I'll start with uh, Ryan. Ryan, what was, what was, a, well, how was your pitch? <laughs> uh, I think the, the kernel of the whole thing, which is what Tony, Tony really brought the idea to life uh, initially. And the kernel that he was playing with was um, what, what would it take somebody who's stuck in their ways to, to change? And so with the character of James, it was really a story about, a clairvoyant who sees snippets of his future and what would happen if he saw a vision of his own imminent death. He knew that there was no way to escape that. And so I think that kernel was really the essence of the pitch. I mean, the movie is very twisty and goes in, uh, it's very much a puzzle. So there were other parts to pitching this to financiers at the time, which Tony can talk to in terms of, you know, ways we, uh, uh, we created visualizations for, for investors. Yeah, I mean, we were we were very um, specific in our pitch and wanted to make sure that we weren't, um, you know, confusing our, our audience. Um, and so we always just pitched it as it's about a clairvoyant who sees his own death. But he's not like a clairvoyant like you usually see. He's not a psychic who can see everybody's future. He can only see literally his own trajectory. And he sees it in fragmented pieces and he doesn't know why. So a lot of the thrust of the, of the movie is eventually him understanding, coming to understand why he does have this affliction because it's not a superhero type of gift so that's how we pitched it we pitched it as a very character-based story about a guy with this kind of mental illness actually who uh, was getting by and using it to sort of make life easy but only you know when he sees his own death does he realize he needs to change his ways right that's how we pitched it yeah, well, that's that's great and you did a much better job of (laughs) it's been a while (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Uh, well and and you're right. James is is afflicted with this because it's not as if he has uh, been able to turn this into a financial gain or some kind right. of you know really made his life into something that uh, you would assume you would you would be able to use these powers to in, enrich yourself. He doesn't do that. It is a burden for him. And I mm-hmm. and I from what you were saying, the fact that he sees his death would be something i'm not sure how anyone would deal with that we we think we know what what it's going to be like at the end of our life but we have really no idea 
and for him, he feels that yeah, that, that's quite a quite a burden to carry around. Um, yeah. w- well, one of the f- things about volition, and it's so important to films like Volition that are predicated on bringing the audience along on a journey. We're we're on we're in it for a ride, and one of the things that is so important, and I think Volition does very well, is we care about James right away. And I think by the by the nature of his backstory, in the car with his mother, watches her basically die in this car crash, uh, is an empathetic device for us to be to to really sort of latch on to him. And he's a he's a good guy. He he's he, he does he seems like again he's struggling, but at the same time a really good guy. And we meet even the people that aren't so good in the film are, are, are okay, are understandable. They're, they're, they have a, I get why they're doing what they're doing, but they're not vicious or brutal or they're not excessive. And so I think what you guys have done with this film, Volition, is, is, is brought, brought in these characters who are really easy to watch and, and, and easy to care about. Um, so, and you both co-wrote. You both co-wrote uh, the the, uh, the the screenplay for it. Uh, tell me a little bit about your process. Well, like what when you sit down to write a character, let's say James or Angela in the film, what do you? What is is what I'm talking about? I'm sure that's part of it. Well, what are you trying to do with that? So, uh, we can get into our process, which is pretty fun and unique as brothers. The way we do it. Um, as far as characters go, I'll start with James. You know. This idea about um, dealing with clairvoyance and the way we're dealing with it was something that Ryan and I had been kind of bantering about for a little bit. But it's not until we found this character that it started, it started to really make sense. And um, I realized that in my life, where I was at at the time, I was feeling quite stuck, actually. I was feeling like, wow, will I ever make the kind of film that I want to make? And so I was actually living in a perceptual prison myself. And I realized that that was actually very, like, that's where you base a character from. You build a character from that really personal standpoint that I was feeling like I could never go off and do the thing. Well, James also feels like there's no point in, like, trying anything either. His, his worldview created apathy. And so that's where we built James from. And I think Ryan and I just continued to look at our own lives and, like, where we had felt that we could bust through and, and you know, push through a, a perceived obstacle. And um, so that's where we develop all characters from there. And then I love how you talk about the other characters being a bit more rounded. We try to do that. You know, they're all going for something that they think will make their lives better. That's their motivation. They're not like these two dimensional bad guys. And so it was a lot of fun playing with that gradient of selfishness versus selflessness, which is actually James's arc and all those characters representing some shade of that. As far as our process, it's a fun one. Ryan, I don't know if you want to jump into that. Yeah, Ryan, please. Yeah, for sure. Um, So our process, generally, we will explore an idea together in a room and just really hash it out for for days, sometimes it's months. It's, you know, we also are always juggling multiple things. So Volition was a a longer process in the creation. Um, But once we get uh, a real sense of what the story is that we want to tell, um, we will create a beat sheet, which is kind of like step by step of what are the basic beats of the story, uh, and then expand it into an outline. Um, and then Tony and I, what we do is we actually split it down the center. So one of us will take the first half, the other will take the second half of the, of the whole story and we'll go off on our own and write those scenes. And, uh, luckily we, we will have discussed the thing in great detail. Um, so we come back together eventually and 
surprisingly, it's fairly cohesive. <laughs> and uh, then what we do is we'll, we'll read each other's stuff, we'll give each other notes, but then we'll actually swap sides and the other person will rewrite the one person's uh, work. Yeah. And, and we go back and forth multiple times like that. Uh, well, I want to talk about Angela, but mm. I also want to give, I think I, I owe our audience a little more backstory than I've given them. So, so James and Angela get together in, a, in an alley in the course of a fight. We're not quite sure why these two men have decided they want to, to attack mm. her. We get into it through, through James. And that sets them on a course. Uh, they're together. She, she's, uh, she ends up in, in uh, James' apartment. And I think she's an interesting character in that there is a romantic element to it, but she is more than that. And um, she's more of a, almost an ideal for James. Right. right? She's more of, of, she's going to help him fix something in his life. More, as much as it is that he's as as much as it is a romantic encounter or a romantic relationship, am I on the right track here? Is it? Yes, you are one hundred percent accurate about that. We, we really felt that she was, like you said, the ideal. You know, she's someone who. Well, let's start with James. James is someone who's very apathetic about life. He thinks that everything's predestined. She's someone that's had a really hard life, but has had to really pull and push herself up to get to where she's gotten. So she, she takes life by the horns and, and, and she doesn't just believe in a predetermined existence. So, so she's very active and James is very passive, you know, on a sort of rudimentary level. Um, but so she represented both for me as a, as a writer and for Ryan, I think as well, the ideal person who is able to look at fear and still break through no matter the feeling. Um, so it was yeah, a lot of fun I, to write her with that involved. I think also Magda Apinovich who, who, plays Angela she just does such a fantastic job because a lot of that pain that the character has and the suffering she's gone through in her life Magda just presents that without ever really saying you know too much it's just you can see it in her performance and um, the fact that she has gone through the the struggles that she's gone through in her life and is still able to see uh, agency in herself is um, is what makes her the, just the person James needs to meet on this journey. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing um, the the cast is terrific, and I, I do want to. Thanks. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm just so impressed with uh, Adrian Glenn McMoran plays James, and he has there's he's he looks a little bit like a young Steve Buscemi to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I love Steve Buscemi. He's one of my favorite actors. So so he because it's his face. He has a very expressive face, and you're able to get a lot out of his performance, physicality of his performance, as well as he's a very empathetic character, and he feels and he's able to convey that. He's he's a tortured right. soul, right? And he's able yeah. to convey that not only through his words, but also also through the way that he he acts in terms of that. And as you mentioned, Magda Apinovich is is really wonderful as well. They're both in their own ways. They're it's a physically demanding performance. There's a lot of stunts involved in there, or a lot yeah. of action involved in their in their performance. So I always appreciate that about uh, an actor, and and they're able their ability to convey not just the words and the emotions, but also uh, there's their bearing, if you will, in the film. And I thought th both of them did a wonderful job of that in the film. 
Uh, Ryan, any any observations on is that part of what you were uh, looking for in the in your performances? Or? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think um, you know both Magda and Adrian are are connections of both of ours. I mean, both Tony and I have grown up with Adrian uh, through high school, and we've always just known he's just such an incredible talent. You know, he's a musician, and he's he's just sincere with what he presents to the world. I think you know when it came to the casting. Uh, Tony always had Adrian in mind, and uh, and so maybe you want to talk a bit about Magda because you guys the, the relationship with Magda also came through Tony. So. I, I met Magda briefly when I was a guest director at a film school, and she was a student, and she just had that thing, you know, just that equality that is just so compelling because it's nuanced, it's textured. She also doesn't try to show or tell anything; she just does. Um, so that's just the real sign of I think a good actor. Um, and so I knew back then that I wanted her for something. And, um, you know, Adrian and Magda both have this uh, authenticity about them. And that's how Ryan and I like to cast. You know, we know that there are many talented actors who can play a role, but the essence of who they are is important to us. And uh, these two actors certainly, you know, brought the, brought the goods. Yeah, they definitely did. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Tony Dean Smith and Ryan W. Smith. Tony is the director and co-screenwriter of Volition, the film we're talking about, is, and Ryan is the producer and co-screenwriter of the film as well. And it comes out on uh, digital platforms on July 10th, so you should be looking for this. It's a release through uh, Giant Pictures, and I believe it's going to be on all the usual suspects in terms of uh, the platforms. Am I, am I right about that? Amazon. That's right. Yeah, it, it'll be on uh, pre-orders are available on Apple TV, but by July 10th, it'll be pretty much everywhere. Uh, Amazon, Fandango Now, uh, Vudu, uh, you'll find it. Thank you for bringing in the Apple TV so you can pre-order it through that so so as well. So let's talk about the, the other couple of characters in the film, Ray, Sal, and Terry. Mm-hmm. John Cassini and Frank Cassini are, are the, uh, are Ray and Sal. And, and, so, and I've, we've seen them in other stuff. These these gentlemen yes. have been in some pretty high profile projects in the past. Um, how did you get to? Know, by the way, Ray was um, John Cassini has been in Seven, Alive, Continuum, Get Carter. Frank Cassini has been in Goodfellas, Watchmen. I love Watchmen, uh, mm-hmm. Moonstruck, and Blackstone. Mm-hmm. So these 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 people have been around the block. Tell me a little bit about getting those two in, involved in the in the film. Yeah, sure. I, I had actually met. Uh, they're brothers, first of all, and they're playing cousins in the film. Um, but uh, I had met John Cassini, who plays Ray, on a TV show that I directed. It was my first TV break um, a, a little while ago up in Canada. And uh, we just hit it off. You know, we both sort of come from a very, you know, we both love Scorsese. We both love, like, political uh, movies. And so we just really hit it off. We always wanted to do something. And then Frank Cassini, Ryan and I made a short film a number of years ago. And... I can't remember exactly how we had met Frank through another actress, but he was just, again, incredible. Uh, We didn't know John at all through Frank or Frank through John. And then the time came where we were developing the script and we just knew that we wanted both of them. And we were playing with who was going to play what, et cetera. And we, you know, through the thousands of rewrites, we changed things up quite a bit. (laughs) But um, both, again, just fantastic human beings. And, uh, And on camera, you know, the camera does a lot. So they were fun to work with. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I would just say that um, they were both really a- a- amazing in terms of the rewriting process because uh, mm-hmm. you spoke about the characters being grounded and human and having 
recognizable drives that make them almost empathetic. And uh, we were always aiming for that, but with their input through the table reads, uh, we really grounded, uh, tried to ground the Ray character and the Cell character so that, you know, they're not trying to be bad guys. They're, they're just trying to live a better life and yeah. um, things happen along the way. Right. And well, they have an edge. I mean, Sal's just gotten out of prison. They have this sort of sense of exactly. Ray's just trying to get out of the, uh, the curtain <laughs> like this and, right. you know, and, and, and Sal's trying to reestablish his own life. And this is what they know. This is the world yeah. they've come from. This is what they know. And in fact, Sal keeps saying when he's dealing with Terry, who's going the muscle in the film played by Alex Ponovich. You got it. Yeah. And, um, he he keeps telling him no violence we don't you know no blood right. no blood no blood right which is not the kind of thing you generally hear from the bad guys in the film <laughs> and um so and i really like john cassini's character i i really like ray i really he 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 stumbled across these diamonds it's part of this mm -hmm. uh, crime caper that that uh, james is involved with and he seems like he he seems like yeah. a good guy. You'd like the guy. I like the guy. I mean, I don't have anything I know. to say about him. But he. It's also, funny. We feel for him. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. I mean, so I, I alluded to this in the beginning of our interview and it's just the last couple of minutes I've got with you. Sure. I really want to talk about the things that I find that really set up a film like Volition and make it such a, a great success. It's in the setup, it's in those first 10 or 15 minutes, right? You've got to get right. a lot of information a lot of clues, a lot of things going on in those first 10, 15 minutes. And this film does that really well. In fact, I went back and watched it again, as I said, and watched for specifically for those clues. And I thought you did just a really nice job of nothing obvious. I didn't feel like anything, you weren't telegraphing anything in, in that. And um, right. I'm sure that's in the script. I'm sure that's you guys were obviously very keen on that. And it, it just works really well. Um, but and the other, before you comment on that, the other thing that really always, I always pay attention to in a film like this is the sound design. And the, the cinematography is obviously important, but sound design is key. It's cues you get, what subliminal cues that you get when you're watching a film like this. Either one of you want to take that. I mean, I'm sure it was an important part. I, I'm certain it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'll speak quickly to the sound and transition to the writing. But yes, I mean, I am OCD with sound. You know, as an editor and as a, just a film lover, it's everything. And even as human beings, if you think about it, our eyes see one thing, but our ears take in the background sound, music, dialogue. So, so sound is very important to me. And it was a lot of fun to, uh, to obsess over. Um, as far as the writing, I mean, talk about obsessing over. Ryan and I are still recovering from having to properly set up and pay off everything. And it took us a long time. We had, a, I mean, so many different drafts of the script. And um, we did it in a very organic way. You know, we basically wanted to tell the story just about James. Um, but we, to care about a character, you have to set him up right and show his flaws, what he's missing from his life, what he longs for, you know, all those things. So, um, Ryan, I don't know if you want to jump in on... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the writing process, uh, you know, we, we were inspired by, or we're just fans of Christopher Nolan and mm -hmm. uh, hearing about the writing of Memento, which is another film that kind of plays with perception and time um, with James's clairvoyance, we're playing with all of those things. So uh, Memento is a bit of a puzzle film and really we're not talking about a whole other side to Volition right now because we don't want to spoil anything, but 
it was a puzzle in the writing and um you know we're excited for tenet to come out and uh because we feel like it's in that same zone of like there's some puzzle going on and uh we're hoping volition becomes one of those mind twisters for for people out there too absolutely and thank you for because uh, as, as i was watching it memento did come to mind for me actually mm. I, and thank you for bringing that up and i know we're we're really short on time but I, I I wanted to sort of the writing process because we've talked about it a lot. When you get to the end of a, a script, when you're, I mean, that you wrote, you were describing how you wrote the second half after um, Tony wrote, written the first half. This is part of the creative process to sit down and look at something. And this is part of talented uh, screenwriting, be able to look at something at the end of the film and know where to put it at the beginning of the film. And you, you, Ryan, you described this process. It's a, it's a long time as well, Tony. How how complicated that can be. And I, that's the thing that I marvel at when I when I see a film like yours, and I, I I know how difficult it is to be judicious about the way that you place the things at the beginning of the film. And I'm not sure if I have a question except to acknowledge that that's an important, it's a strength of volition. And um, comments or not, I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. But go ahead, please. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think a film like this, I mean, like any film, it's, it's all about um, the, the structure. You know, things have got to be properly yeah. um, lined up in all different places from a character standpoint, from a theme standpoint, um, and certainly from a plot. And, um, you know, we just tried to sort of stay in the moment with it as much as possible and, um, and to make sure that we weren't telling too much. You know, we also did so much rewriting in the edit, actually. So... Yeah. Finally, where you can sort of see if things are working or not. And maybe we can pull back a little bit. Maybe we can push forward a little bit in some areas. And so that was something that Ryan and I were still rewriting in post the whole time. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to bring on editing. And I absolutely, it's a film that feels like a, a lot happened in the editing process for this film. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank both of you so much for being here today. The film, again, is Volition. It's out on uh, digital platforms, uh, The Usual Suspects, July 10th. And it will be pre-orders available through Apple TV uh, and a terrific film. And I really, truly hope that you'll come back with your next project. I look forward to it. Uh, Absolutely. And the film, again, Volition, we've been talking with Tony Dean Smith, co-writer as well as director, and Ryan Smith, the producer and co-writer of this wonderful film, Volition. And to both of you, congratulations. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks so, Thanks much, so much, Mike. Mike. Yeah, we'll see you again for sure. Appreciate the support. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.